Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have a friend of the show, somebody I actually look up to. Uh, when I got first hired by CNN, it wasn't a whole bunch of, of, of black folk over there. It wasn't a whole bunch of black men. And uh, honestly, to say it wasn't a whole bunch of people who embraced their blackness uh, like Charles Blow. I don't think I've ever told you this, but I always looked up to you. I know you're not that old, but <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for everything that you've uh, meant to young people coming along in TV. Charles, you deserve that. But we have Charles Blow on the show today and you're a friend of the show. So we'll skip the usual question and get right into your new project, South to Black Power. For people who may have forgotten or haven't had a chance to read your book where you talk about this, which I have a couple of times, what's South to Black Power about and what is uh, what is it about this idea of reverse migration that has consumed you? Because I was like, man, this this is kind of what Charles does now. Consumed you the past few years. Well, uh, I see the incredible possibilities of ha- of state power by having large uh, percentages of black people uh, in particular states. Uh, you know, I, I always say this at the end of the Civil War, three southern states were majority black, Louisiana, Mississippi, and South Carolina. Three other uh, southern states were within eight percentage points of being majority black. And that meant that during Reconstruction, black people made a tremendous amount of progress. They sent scores of people to state houses. Mississippi gave us our two first two black senators. And they did that because they Let had power to do it. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to blame this on my mind, not my heart. I may, sure. may interrupt you because you said something that I agree with. But during that period of Reconstruction, have Black people in the United States seen that level of success before or since even taken into account the election of Barack Obama? I don't believe they've seen it on a state level. And that, to me, is crucial. Uh, in the years right after uh, the Civil War, when Black people were first given the right to vote uh, in the passage of what they call the Reconstruction Amendments, the uh, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, um, Black men in, in Mississippi were the majority of voters in Mississippi, right? So this is an extraordinary thing. Uh, that made Mississippi a Black power center during Reconstruction. People were moving to Mississippi. Like people today, we can't fathom that as being a Black power center and people being attracted to it. But then it absolutely was. And what they were able to wring out of, uh, of the state of Mississippi was incredible. You have to remember at the time, senators were not even popularly elected. It's just that Black people had so much power. There were open Senate seats. There was an open Senate seat at the time. They said, you have to give it to us. <laughs> we, have, we have the votes. You have to make it. And, and, the, and people in Mississippi did that. And, and, and Rebels was made a senator. He went to Washington. They refused to see him. <laughs> they were like, no, you have not been a citizen for long enough because uh, one of the amendments made us citizens. They said, you have, literally have not been a citizen of the United States long enough. And he held out and they finally buckled and made and, and sat him as a senator in the U.S. That is how much power black people had at the time. It was not until 2020 that black people were the majority of a coalition that actually elected a U.S. senator. We had 10, 11 senator, black senators before that. All sure. of them had been elected by coalitions led by white people. Some people none of, and, none of, and none of them were from where we reside. No, 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 no. None of them. Illinois, no. 
Massachusetts. Right, right, right exactly. Exactly. And so the, the power of you being the leaders of the coalition that elects the senator who looks like you means that they are also beholden to you. They don't have to bite their tongues when it comes to representing you. They don't have to pull back and adjust themselves to not offend the people who actually got them elected. You actually got them elected and they can go full throttle in your interest. That is what power looks like on a state level when it comes to the Senate. And there are other uh, iterations of that. That is what gubernatorial power would look like if it, if it were driven by a Black electorate. That is what uh, um, delivering electoral college votes for a presidential candidate would look like. You have never seen a president and vice president in Georgia as much as you have since Joe Biden was elected oh, and Kamala oh, oh. Harris was, was his what? My next question, you 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 lean right into it. So, okay. so before we talk about the idea, how much of this reverse migration are we already seeing and how is it translating politically? For example, I think black folks moving to Atlanta, which you were just talking about, has absolutely changed Georgia politics and the politics of the country. And you can factor in, I guess, Brandon Press, I think his name was Brandon. Um, Presley, who was running for governor in Mississippi, who mm -hmm. got 48 percent of the vote, which is a shit ton of votes in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. But we aren't seeing the same uh, trends in other southern states. Why do you think that's so? And how would your idea move the needle further? Well, first, I want to just say this. You did see it in Maryland, which is a very black state. And now you have a black governor. Maryland is not the South. Maryland. OK, let me correct you on that as well. Uh, so I, I, use, I use the I, I understand that you may have your own definition of the South and a lot of people do. I use the Census Bureau's definition of the South. And according to the Census Bureau, the South goes all the way up to Delaware. Delaware is a southern Delaware. state. Delaware is Del South Philadelphia. Delaware is a southern state, <laughs> according to the census. And it is also the eighth blackest state. And it's one of the states that I encourage people to migrate to because it's so small. It wouldn't <laughs> even take that many black people to migrate there to take over Delaware. So, yes, all these are southern states to me. And so Maryland is one of those states. And I count the victory in Maryland of, a, of selecting a black governor to be one of the examples of what this means. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment. So it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Just for the record, so people know, I disagree with the legendary Charles Blow on the definition of Southern. I think- <laughs> You cannot have your own- Personal definition of the South. I don't have like, a personal I, definition. I, I, I mean, it's like, it's rooted in something. I think everything below the seat of the Confederacy in Richmond is the South. Everything above Richmond, Virginia is the North. That is such an antiquated definition of the South. Like, it, it is almost like a Mason-Dixon line definition of the South. Like, what, it, that's not, that is I, not I, I, you're gonna You're going to find, I, I don't know anyone who will sit here and tell me that Delaware is in the South. There is nothing. I will get you, please. To call no. any person at the Census Bureau, and they will tell like, you exactly that. I just don't. I don't know anybody at the Census Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch yourself. You need to watch yourself. Those bureaucratic friends. To to further this argument, we're both from the South. Okay. Uh, so moving to the South and living down here doesn't bother us at all. But what's the message or appeal, if you will, for Black folks in other parts of the country? who've never lived in the South to move to places other than Florida, Georgia, or places like Charlotte or Nashville? Like, how do you get a person to move to Birmingham, Little Rock, or Jackson as destinations? So the first thing to remember is that all mass migrations have uh, uh, had an economic underpinning in this country. So people generally move because they believe that the economic and, and family opportunities are better where they're going than where they are. And people have already started to make this calculation on their own. No, have nothing to do with me. Uh, what they were seeing was that uh, that there was there was hostility in a lot of uh, cities in the north and south when it came to policing. What they were seeing was a reverse migration of another sort, which was young white uh, 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 college-educated kids reversing the decision their grandparents and grandparents had made it, moving out of the suburbs and back into cities. That gentrification was putting uh, housing pressure and economic pressure on people in cities, making things more less affordable. Uh, and they were not able to generate as much, generate and transfer as much intergenerational wealth because they could not afford to buy homes, which is still the primary source by which people create wealth for a family. And so they looked at that. And at the same time, they looked at uh, what a lot of the business magazines look at before being one of them that looks at where the places where the black middle class is thriving that the top of that list is full of southern cities and so you look you there's a push pull same thing that was happening with the great migrations a push pull here there's another push pull on just on the economic side it has nothing to do with politics has nothing to do with power they look at it and say okay i can get more for my money in this place in the south like my kids can have a yard i don't have to worry about them walking home from school i i feel safer and so it becomes a economic and family attraction. And I think that exists in a lot of places in the American South. I also like to point this out. There are 1,200 majority black city, towns and cities in America. 90% of them are in the American South. Yeah. The municipal South, to a large degree, is black. And many of those, many of the capital cities of the American South oh. are black. We're going to get to that. Um, how, but I feel like I got to ask this question now because yeah. you might have the South, like Arizona East. How do you define the South? How do you define the American South? 
Okay, so so I I I I, I, I use the DOJ definition. Now that I actually think about it, there is a Department of Justice definition that includes in Section Two, et cetera, sixteen Southern states that had to go through preclearance. And so there are 16 states. Delaware is not one of them. But there are 16 states. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to look at it as soon as I get off here. I'm look at it. Make sure that Delaware is not in there. Uh, but, well, so, so, well, well, I, the target um, states that I identify are just nine of 16 or whatever the, the number is. So I'm not suggesting that people move to all southern states. Uh, I'm suggesting that people only move to Southern states that right now have the largest percentage of Black people and where Black people can get closest to 50% or greater. And that is from Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, and Delaware. Say that uh, the first one again, just so people know you're from the South. Say the one that begins with the L again. Louisiana. You said Louisiana. I love it. <laughs> okay, whatever. Louisiana, Louisiana. Whatever you want to call it. Louis- uh, Louisiana. The boot. All right. Let's say the the boot. Uh, so, so those are the ones that I identify as people moving to. Don't move to Texas. I think Texas has been great for a lot of Black people. They, a lot of Black people live in, in Houston. They live in Dallas. But, I, but there's no way that Texas is ever going to be a majority Black uh, state. The demographics just don't lend itself to that. So you will still have a, a, a kind of a, a captive situation. Do not move to Florida. It is also no way that Black people are ever going to get to a majority or anywhere close to it in Florida. Missouri? So there's a lot of places. Missouri? Huh? What about Missouri? No, no, no. Missouri's Midwest anyway. But, uh, yes. See, I, you're, I'm going to give you a whole geography lesson. I, this podcast is going to turn, literally turn into a geography lesson. Uh, so, <laughs> so, no, Missouri's not in the, in the group. So it's just that string of states. I call it, you know, it's, it's like, you know, jewels along a, a, a bracelet they they run from i-20 up i-95 those are the only states um and you have a really good chance in those states yeah, mississippi i think is in the 40 percent upper 40 mid 40s oh yeah, mississippi is yeah mississippi is Lu- it, louisiana it, is like in the first. 30s uh uh georgia is uh, continuing to increase and it is in the 30s uh, nearing 40 so you have these real cl- close places where where it doesn't take as many of us to make that difference. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, Visit JiffyLube.com. Talk to us about the show itself. What's the format? How have Black folks responded to your idea of reverse migration? Well, the, the book was to put forth the proposal and the thesis. And the movie is to show, is to road test it. And that's the, the you know, I didn't get to do that when writing the book. So I put it in front of people. 
and they wrestle with it. And and some people disagree, and some people agree. But that is the whole point of the idea. What's the, the format of it? What is it? What it, for people who are listening to this? Visualize. What's the format for this? So the format is 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 uh, following me on the road as I go and talk to people in. Uh, several states, both in the South and in the North, about what it would mean if Black people uh, 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 participated in a first reverse migration. What would the pros and cons of that be? And that is kind of how the film develops. And it develops over the midterms, uh, the last midterm election. You know, you're, you're one of the most brilliant people I know, and, and you are an amazing writer. So I'm, I'm sure you thought about this next question. But gain this out further. How do you think white folks respond? This is something I would ask my daddy. And my daddy would be like, yeah, that sounds good. But white folks are going to do X, Y, and Z. I feel like the backlash around voting rights in Georgia is in part a, a white Republican response to demographic changes that favor Democratic or even more specifically Black candidates and causes. What would a white lash be to Black reverse migration South? Well, in, in part, it is unpredictable, but certain. Uh, and the, but, but I always say this to people when I'm discussing this idea. Uh, there is no revolutionary act without risk. And if you, are, if you use fear as your rationale for not participating, then I don't actually want you to participate. You're like, I, 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 I don't want people to say, oh, well, I'm afraid of this, and therefore I refuse to access Black power in this that, way. That's Mr. Blow's youthful naivete. See, I told you he wasn't that old. That, that is what that is. I, I love it. I think the same way. Like, if you don't want to rock with us and you don't want to be militant enough to, to understand the risk that comes along with it, this, this is not your ministry. And I would also say this about how this has played out in Georgia, where I now live. Uh, you saw massive backlash to this, including people kind of talking in code about that they were doing it because people were moving to uh, to Georgia who were not Republican. And, you know, the Georgia legislature was one of the first to rush into the chamber after the election of uh, two, two, two Democratic senators from Georgia and the state flipping for Joe Biden. And they enacted a whole raft of legislation that were aimed to suppress votes, including uh, forbidding people from what they call line warming, which is even giving people water as they wait in line. I, it was the first time I ever had to wait in line when I came to Georgia. And you wait for a long time. Uh, and the weather may not be suitable. But here is what power looks like once people have touched it and know that it is not a fantastical possibility, but it's a real thing that I have seen myself do. It is addictive. Black people have seen and, and felt their power in the state of Georgia, and they were not going to be dissuaded from ever uh, using it and were not going to be uh, forced to, let, to release it. And so what you saw in the runoffs for uh, 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 Senator, oh, Warren, Senator Warnock. Warnock and Ossoff. Yeah. Right, right. Well, Ossoff wasn't, on, wasn't running in the runoff. Oh, right? recently, uh, Warnock, but, yes. but, but, but Warnock was. Black people showed up again in massive numbers. They just waited in a lot. Okay, you can't have water? I'll bring my water. Like, people just said, we will overcome. We will overwhelm your opposition. And that is what you got. Now, uh, the governor, uh, Governor Kemp, was clever. He gave out 
you know, gas vouchers and all sorts of things and went to some black events and made people talk about him and not be as angry with him as they were uh, with other people. And so he was reelected. But now imagine what happens when you finally get you're able to fit a gubernatorial seat because you, you, you can't gerrymander that. <laughs> it's everywhere to say. Yeah, do we need a white boy to do that, or can huh? a black candidate? Do we need a white boy to do that, or can a can a black candidate do that? No, I, I say you can elect a black person. <laughs> oh. it, it is, it is not, it is, it is. Uh, Westmore approves it. Like Westmore approves it. I'm sorry, that is not. Uh, you can elect a black person. It is. It has nothing to do with. But also, I also want to make sure that we understand this. I want black people to have the power to vote for whoever they want. And it may be a white person. I'm not. I am not a racial exclusion uh, exclusionist in the way that some people might think of this. You know, I, I used to live in Detroit. Detroit has a white mayor right now. They, yeah. But black people just said, "I want that guy." And if you, as long as the person is going to be responsive to you, listen yeah. to you, not be condescending to you, uh, 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 do things that are in your best interest, I don't care what race they are. Elective. I just want the power to make sure that the white supremacists and their policies are never in control of black bodies. One of the things that we've seen a lot of progress in and black folks have made inroads that you mentioned earlier was black forward-thinking mayors in southern cities. Vilaus in Charlotte, LeVar Stoney in Richmond, Steve Benjamin, formerly of Columbia, South Carolina, my good friend, uh, Dickens in Atlanta, Frank Scott in Little Rock, Randall Wolfen in Birmingham, and the list goes on and on and on. We have Cantrell in New Orleans. Uh, but like so many states, what cities and mayors can do is a uh, what cities uh, and mayors can do as a function of state law, and Republicans understand that better than anyone. Talk about the role of Black power locally in your formulation of Black power, and how do you transform state legislatures with the kind of reverse migration that you're envisioning so that you can unleash that power that we have in the Black mayors? Well, I think having Black mayors is great, but it is not the kind of power that we need in the end. There are no cities in the Constitution. Cities essentially exist at the leisure. Uh, sorry, I missed that. Is the funny, that's the funniest thing I think I've ever heard. And my group chat with Black mayors is going to enjoy that comment that there are no cities in the Constitution. There are no cities in the Constitution. So they exist at the leisure of the states. Anything a city wants to do, a state can actually preempt. Uh, they, the states grant cities powers to do things on their own if the state wants to do that. So the black mayors live, you know, kind of exist in this archipelago of little islands in dark water. And so what we need to do is change the water. Uh, and so what we have to do is to give the backing for those mayors, give them a, a gubernatorial backing. Uh, you may not be able to change state legislatures right away because they can gerrymander their legislative branch very easily. But uh, governors are statewide elected officials. You can live, all the black people in one state can live in one city. It doesn't matter. As long as you have enough people, you can still elect the governor. And so once you get that, you have the power of the veto. And now you have to negotiate with that governor unless you have enough legislators to overcome that veto, you have to negotiate with that governor about things like voting laws and whatever, uh, any other laws that might impact Black people. So that is the first step, is to get enough people that you elect the governor becomes a stopgap against uh, preempting cities, but also against 
state legislatures do anything that might be harmful for an emerging Black uh, resurgent uh, population. All right, I'm going to get you out of here, but I, I got to ask the most important questions. When will South the Black Power be available to watch and when can people watch the show? And then, you know, how can people follow you for all your wit, insight, and follow you on social media? So uh, South the Black Power premieres on HBO and uh, HBO Max on uh, November 28th. Uh, and you can follow me on at CH, sorry, Charles M. Blow. On any uh, platform, it's the same thing, Charles M. Blow. How the babies doing? They grown now, but how do Everybody's babies? adults, man. It's the, my, my oldest is about to turn 30 in February. People, you, all you've been doing is drinking your water. How's Atlanta treating you? Atlanta's great. You know, Atlanta's a... Always, Has it re- have you guys recovered from Keith Lee shredding your brunch? I think Keith Lee did a tremendous service to the city of Atlanta because I think... And I think this is a larger conversation that you may want to have one day on your podcast, which is uh, there is it is very noble to want to always uh, patronize black businesses because they've gotten such a, uh, you know, they always get the best deals and all kinds of things are working against them. There is another level at which some people in any race can be unscrupulous and take advantage of a population. And there are some black businesses that, that that exploit black people because they have this noble instinct to want to to patronize them. And so they don't treat them well or they overcharge them and they gouge them. And that also is a problem. Well, I love Atlanta. It's my second home. I love you, Charles Blow. Thank you for joining the Bacari Souls podcast, my brother. Thank you.